Matt Stapp, I know that, you know, we pay you to be a part of the Dave Campbell's Texas football team, but do you ever feel like we're making you do too many podcasts? I never feel like I get to talk too much high school football. Step and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We really appreciate you. We appreciate you spending a little bit of your day with us as we are about to break down week 14 of the uh, the big school pl- uh, regular season in Texas high school football. And, and I'll be honest – it hit me today that, like, the strangeness of the fact that pretty much every, ev- pretty much every six A and five A team is going to play after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, most of them, most of them will. That's that's a that's a unique thing I think for a lot of programs that have not had uh, lots of playoff success. They get to have a Thanksgiving practice, even well, though. Yeah, well, we so like today on TFT, we we um, we played your interview with Shane Mobley at at Sealy. He's done a great job there, helping revive that that program. And it it just struck me because you were like, "Oh, coach, you're practicing on Thanksgiving," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's super cool. He's practicing on Thanksgiving." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, so is like Keller." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, to Carl Stralo and and, and yeah. the Indians, but it's so like so is. Dallas Sunset. <laughs> yes, Dallas Sunset. Laredo yeah. Alexander also practicing on Thanksgiving, um, or you know, p- preparing for a game. Anyway, it just it struck me as just very odd. Of like, oh yeah, I guess that's uh, I guess that is true. So, anyway, uh, it's it's strange times. Uh, this is your week fourteen, a big school preview six eight five. If you're looking for uh, playoff coverage, we po- uh, posted our. 4A through 1A regional semifinal preview pod yesterday, so go look in your feed for that or on texasfootball.com. But we are through to the regional semi, or rather we're through to, the, to week 14. I can't even keep it straight, man. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it's a lot. Because uh, no, that's the thing. It's like we're simpletons. And they make they make Texas high school football simple to understand when we all move together. And now you're making me think, think about things that I normally don't have to think about. Um... Okay, we're on the premium podcast. Matt Stepp, I want you to describe the 6A and 5A slate in week 14 in a word. Meh. Yeah, it's, I don't know, guys. Like, now part of it is that we lost, like, we lost, like, one of the big bangers, right? We lost, like, Travis and Westlake. Um, we did. Although, like, it's very interesting. I mean,. Is this the most is this the most interesting Buda Hayes Austin Bowie game of all time? Hold that thought. That's my hipster game. Oh, <laughs> give me, crap. Here, give me away my hipster game. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Well, spoiler yes, alert. It the, is the it is the most interesting Buda Hayes Austin Bowie game ever. Yes. Spoiler spoiler alert for the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And part, part of the reason why the slate is meh is because the a lot of the districts really front-loaded their schedules to make sure the games got played. So a lot of districts 
are basically in so there's there's several teams that are finished with their regular season yeah. and district play and a lot of the a lot of the games now are are you know makeup games that, that maybe got postponed earlier in the year that kind of thing so like teams like uh, Shadow Creek and Pearland Dawson their district mm-hmm. slates are over they don't have any more district games um, so you know teams like that so there's a lot of front loading and it'll be even worse next week there'll be even fewer games next week of consequence so. Uh, it is what it is. It's just, a, it's just a product of this really weird season. But, you know, there's a few, as, as, Emmett, as a great man Emmett Smith once said, there's a few diamonds amongst the poo-poo. You got to look through the doo-doo and got to find yeah, the, uh, there's a the, few the diamonds. good games. And that's, and that's our job. That's our job. Yeah. We are fundamentally, we are We're the doo-doo people sifters. Who, we sift through the doo-doo. Yeah, and we, that's what we, we do. Play good games. Um, yeah, so we are. Uh, this is your week fourteen preview. We're going to get uh, through all of these games and tell you which games we are most uh, excited about. Um, if this is your first episode, welcome. We're going to do our draft. We go back and forth selecting games we are most excited about. Uh, once it's picked, it's off the board, uh, and then we will round it all out with a hipster game of the week. And boy, I I, I can't imagine what steps is. Um, I know it's good. It's it's a mystery to all. So, uh, we had a coin flip before the show. Step one, the coin flip. So he does get the first pick in the right. week 14 6A5A draft. What is your first selection? I'm going to head out to the South Plains for a game that was supposed to be played a few weeks ago, but was postponed as COVID-19 did what COVID-19 do, postpone games. Um, and uh, we got a great game in, on the South Plains as the uh, Wichita Falls Rider Raiders take on the Lubbock Cooper Pirates in a, a really unique and budding rivalry because you wouldn't think that Wichita Falls Rider and Lubbock Cooper would be much of a rivalry. But when these when the 5A split happened a few years ago, these two teams kind of got paired off in a real far-flung district. And not only have they played um, in the playoffs, in the regular season, but also in the playoffs the last two years. So these teams have met four times in the last two years. And... Cooper has won the regular season meeting both times. Ryder won the playoff meeting in 2018, and Cooper won in the playoffs in 2019. So Cooper's got a 3-1 lead in this in this series, and each game has, has – the reason why this has turned into our rivalry is because each game has been of significant consequence. It's either been for a district or regional title. And I don't see any reason why we probably aren't going to see round six in a few weeks because I think these two teams are probably the two teams that are favorites uh, over everyone else in 5A Division II Region One. Um, this year's dip meeting is a little different because Ryder, Ryder comes in, even though they're, they're the road team, I think as, as, the, as a fairly hefty favorite because of the firepower of that offense. Uh, Jacob Rodriguez, the Virginia commit, is a dynamic quarterback, and Ryder has a – dynamic group of skill players, Nick Darkus and, and a bunch of other guys, uh, capable playmakers. They're really good on the, on both offensive and defensive lines. This is clearly Mark Mendel's, I think, best team he's had at Ryder, uh, without question. Mm-hmm. This is a team that, that I think is the clear favorite in Region 1. And other than the one loss to, to Lubbock Coronado, which let's take that for a grain of salt because, number one, Lubbock Coronado is an undefeated and top 10 5AD1 team. But number two, Jacob Rodriguez didn't play in the Coronado game. So you can take that loss with a bit of a grain of salt uh, in, in a lot of ways. But other than that, Ryder has been completely dominant. And they, you know, last week, 45-14 over Canyon Randall. Ho-hum, just another day at the office for the Ryder Raiders. This is kind of what they do. It's been a little bit more of a struggle this year for Lubbock Cooper. 
Um, mm-hmm. Defensively, they are elite. I mean, this is a defense that, that's one of the best in the state. Kobe McKenzie, I think he's committed to OU, if memory serves me correctly. He's I, think, I think that's correct, yeah. 2022 linebackers in the state of Texas. Um, really good um, defense. This is a Cooper defense that's been great all year. The problem is, is they have a really difficult time scoring points. Um, they, you know, 21, 28 points is about their max most nights. And we saw it last week. You know, they they get up 21 to 2 on Abilene Wiley going into the fourth quarter and have to hang on for dear life because Wiley scores two touchdowns late in the game to make it 21-15 because Cooper just can't pull away from people. And you look at look at their results through the year. And it's a lot of that. It's a lot of low-scoring games that their that their defense has been dominant in, but the offense just hasn't been. They, they don't have that punch like they had last year. You know, last year they had the kid, the running back who's at North Texas now. They had another really good back. They, they really had three running backs who could rotate in and out and, and make plays. But you look at Lubbock Cooper this year. You know, they beat Amarillo Caprock eighteen to nothing. I mean, okay, eighteen to nothing. They beat Friendship twenty to fourteen. They beat Canyon Randall 17 to 7, and then they beat Abilene Wiley 21 to 15. So there's a lot of these kind of grinded out, kind of real struggling offensively type games from Lubbock Cooper. And I just don't think their defense against that rider, I just don't think they can keep up. Because I, yeah. as good as their defense is, I think Ryder's going to score points. You know, that offense that Ryder has this year is too good and they're too powerful. I just don't feel like Cooper's defense is going to hold up. So that's why I like Ryder um, to win, um, you know, 10 to 14 points minimum in this game. Yeah, th- so that's kind of the thing for me. And and I, I'll also throw this out there. Um, I think Ryder's defense goes under the radar. I think, I think that Jacob Rodriguez gets a lot of headlines, and rightfully so. He's awesome. Like, he's, he's really good, and that's the showcase matchup here. The showcase matchup is the uh, Ryder offense against the Cooper defense. And, yes, buy your ticket for that reason. Um, but I think the Ryder defense is pretty solid. Um, it gets overlooked, but you're, right, you're very right. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good defense. Yeah, it's a solid, solid defense. And Amarian Banks, their defensive end's a stud. They just got playmakers on that side. And now there's, there's two things – there's two things that give me pause. One is what you mentioned, which is traditionally Cooper has won these types of games against Ryder. Now, Ryder's gotten the clap back, but they have won those. The other thing about this is the circumstances, okay? This is a Friday 2 p.m. kick in Lubbock, okay? If, if there were ever... I, I generally think that... I'm not saying home field advantage is overrated, but I don't know if we necessarily – I think, generally speaking, the better team wins most games. I'm just saying that. Uh, but if there were ever going to be a strange bit of circumstances, it would be Thanksgiving week, a couple of hours after you put your fork down, you're getting on the bus, you're driving out to Lubbock, and you're playing a football game at 2 o'clock on a Friday. A, reg- a regular season game with that. Yes. There are strange circumstances surrounding it, which gives, I think, Cooper an opportunity to maybe pounce on them early. That would be my opportunity. I think you're right, though. I think you've diagnosed it. I think this is Ryder's the favorite here. The computer has Ryder. Computer has Ryder by one. See, I, I, I just don't think. I think. I think that's a very, very generous to Cooper. I think that's right too. I think. I, I just don't think. I, let's put like I'm just putting it this way. 
if 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 Ryder gets twenty four points, I'm just not sure Cooper can win that game. Yeah. You know, that's lot, that's the big thing. That's a lot to ask of your defense to in this day and age of these these powerful spread offenses and with that offense they're facing to hold Ryder under twenty four. It's a lot to ask. All right, good pick. All right. I am going to go Friday night to Houston. Let's go specifically to Cyprus. Seven o'clock Friday at SciFair FCU Stadium. As the Bridgeland Bears play the SciFair Bobcats in a battle of unbeatens in, wait for it, a non-district matchup. Let's go. <laughs> Let's just ha- be weird in 2020. This, this, okay. This is the strangest matchup of the year. Okay. This is the strangest matchup of the year because it's a matchup of unbeatens where there is literally nothing on the line Mm-mm. in week, in week 10, literally nothing. Okay. A, they're going to different brackets. So it doesn't matter. And even if they weren't going to different brackets, they are in different regions. <laughs> Bridgeland yeah. is a region two team. <laughs> yes. It's just a completely, it's a weird, weird circumstance. But I, I love that they're playing this game. But I think, uh, and you're probably going to hit on this and I'm stealing your thunder a little bit, but I, I think how these two teams approach this game is really going to dictate the terms of this game. Okay. So... I do not know if you could draw up two teams in the same school district that are theoretically within striking distance of one another uh, that are this different. They mm-hmm. are so they, they may as well be playing different sports. OK, yeah. because Bridgeland with Connor Wigman and Dylan Goffney and, and they're a wide open spread sling it around. We are I mean, it's borderline air raid. They've got a good running game, but there is it's it's almost full on air raid. The way that they throw, it's, the way they play, up tempo attack. They they go fast. Yeah. I've seen them in person, and they they do not they do not mess around and waste any time. Cypher, on the other hand, um, is they are slugfest. They are low scoring, grind you out on the ground. They are what they've always been, even under Jeff Miller, new coach Jeff Miller. Uh, and actually, I did look this up. They are actually throwing the ball a little bit more under Jeff Miller. But uh, that's not necessarily saying a lot. Last mm-hmm. year, they ran the ball 25% of the time. I'm sorry, they threw the ball 25% of the time. This year, they're throwing it a staggering 31% of the time. Man, what is so, going on in Sci Fair, man? They are just opening it up. My goodness. But the point is that they are, they are, you know, Jeff Miller was not brought in when he came in. He's not reinventing the wheel. He is taking what Ed Pajowski did there forever and said, all right, why don't we just keep doing it? Maybe we'll put in a little wrinkle here and there, but like, we're going to work. This is who we are. And so they, they run the ball with LJ Johnson and then they play great defense. That's what they do. So there's a huge stylistic clash in this one. Um, Cypher's defense is really solid. This is a team that does not, they do not have blue chippers. This is not, but this is, this is kind of how Cypher always is, man. They do not mm-hmm. have, like, like Greg Powers is probably not super interested in the Cypher defense, our recruiting analyst. Like, but they just got guys who they fill gaps and they don't miss tackles and they play great defense. Like Thatcher Milton and, and Cade Campbell and Hunter Warren, they're all, just they're all just spokes in the wheel and that and that wheel just turns man because they are they make splashy plays and their defense has been fantastic here's what i love about this game is 
there is simultaneously nothing on the line and it kind of feels like everything on the line yeah. because sci fair it, uh, they're they're the they're the bell cow program they're the pedigree they're the they're the legacy program yes yes and and here's bridgeland the new kids on the block who want to be like nah actually we run the world now uh, yeah, we're, the, we're, the, we're the team of record in sci-fair isd that's exactly what this is and so in a lot of ways this is this is for a district championship but i mean a school district championship like there's nothing else on the line. Like literally one team could go out there and lose a hundred to nothing. It has nothing to do with the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And yet there's so many different like, like intricacies of how these teams will be viewed going forward on the line. Yeah. I, and the reason I think Bridgeland's going to take this game a lot more seriously because they're the ones who are trying to, to get to that level and, and get that name, you know, sci fair. I think they're pretty comfortable in their own skin. They've got that state title. They've been consistent winners. This is nothing new for them. I, I just think they're going to do this game as almost like a, a scrimmage type where they're, they're going to play their starters for a little while, but they're not going to risk anyone. Like, like I'll be very interested to see how – if like I'll, I'll set the over-under at carries for LJ Johnson at 12. I'll be very surprised mm. if he carries the ball more than 12 times in this game. Bridgeland, I think, is going to keep their starters out a little bit longer because I think they really want to win this game and really make that statement – that they are here to stay in Cypher ISD. Where I think Cypher, you know, they already got the state title under their belts. You know, it's like, okay, whatever, guys. You guys go ahead and have your little win. We'll just, we'll see you in this, the playoffs. This would be like, and, and Bridgeland's had some great wins, right? Bridgeland's had some great wins. This year. Yeah, this is the signature win, though. This is this is the one. This is the one that, you, like, you hang a banner for. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If you win this game. And, and that's what's interesting is... I just love the idea that nothing and yet everything is on the line in this game. And so it's a really weird dike. It's, yeah. It just sums up 2020 in a, in a lot of ways. It really is. It's the strangest game of the year. It really yeah. is. So I took, I'm taking Bridgeland Cypher. What's your second pick? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay in the Houston area. I'm not, I'm going to stick in five, a, but I'm gonna go division one as uh, the three and three Fort Bend high tower hurricanes take on the six and one Katie Pato Panthers in a game that is uh, a third place game. It's, it's mm-hmm. straight up for third place. And I, I you might want to dub this the uh, Avoid Port Arthur Memorial Bowl <laughs> because the loser of this game is going to face a really difficult first-round matchup with Port Arthur Memorial. Uh, the winner of this game, I think, because I think that District District 9 uh, across from District 10 is Port Arthur Memorial and then just kind of a bunch of teams who are kind of about the same. But there's a significant difference between Port Arthur and the rest of the field. So I think the winner of this game gets a much more manageable first-round matchup. So that's a real key um, for me coming into this game since they're playing uh, straight up for that, that third playoffs, that third place playoff spot. Um, you know, you look at the matchup here in Hightower at three and three is probably the best three and three team in the state of Texas. I mean, you yeah. look at Fort, Fort Bend Hightower. Fort Bend Hightower beat the Woodlands this year. I mean, their three losses are all close to Spring Westfield, Manville, and Foster. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's a, it's a pretty heady company there. So Hightower comes in. I think at, at, with despite being three and three, I think much more battle tested than Pato, who lost in their zone to uh, Manville. But other than that, they really haven't haven't faced anybody significantly of note. Um, Hightower. They have Jacoby Longino, who um, 
if UTEP can hang on to this kid, I'll be surprised because this is a guy who has thrown up massive. Him and Andrew Body at Corpus Christi Miller are two of the most underrated quarterbacks in the state of Texas. But at least Longino is committed to an FBS program at this time. But he, you know, last week in his last, you know, uh, High Towers had the other thing is High Towers had two weeks to get ready for this game. Uh, Pato played last week against Angleton. High Tower played Terry two weeks ago and then rested last week. So Longino throws five touchdowns uh, in the game. Latrell Neville has three of those touchdown receptions. Hightower's offense is as potent as anyone around. I mean, they put up big numbers against Manville and Foster. So that, that just shows you the kind of firepower that, that, that Hightower has. Pato's a little more plotting. They like to run the football a little bit more. They definitely play – if you think of the vintage Katie football type mm-hmm. teams, they get in the eye formation, run a lot of play action. It's very much what Pato does because uh, Coach Gotti is a is a Katie – uh, just as a Gary Joseph disciple. So I, I think that that lends itself to Pato not putting up as impressive numbers as, as, as a team like Hightower does. Um, and I think if they can control the tempo, they've got a shot in this game. But I like Hightower's offense. I think they're just a little too explosive. And I, I think they, they get this win over Pato and lock up that third playoff spot and uh, get that much easier first-round draw. Yeah, it's, it's, this is, this is a seeding season for, for these teams. And, and yeah, this is a critical game because you're, you're right. Um, you don't want to run into Memorial in the first, that's just, that's, that's, that's a, that's a really, that's a, that's a matchup that right out of the shoot to play a team that, that sole desire is to punch your teeth down your throat. Um, that's a tough look, <laughs> that's a yeah. tough thing to get fired up for. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's interesting. One thing, one one guy I'm going to have my eye on uh, in this one is I want to see I want to see what Peyto can do if they can if they can establish the run because Damon Bankston was really nice last week against Angleton. If they can establish the run, I think that they're going to have they're then then it's it's game on and and so you're going to have oh, a, that, 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 that the kind of control that tempo and keep mm-hmm. keep that high tower offense bottled up by not exactly. being on the field. Exactly right. I think that's a huge key in this one. So yeah, I think this is fun. I like both coaches in this one, and Gotti and and and, uh, and our buddy uh, Joseph Sam. I think it's a really fun matchup there. Okay, good pick. I hate to stay in the Houston area, but I'm going to stay in the Houston area. It's three in All a right. row. We're right. on a Houston heater, H Town heater. That's right. Um, it's a nice week in Houston. It's a good week in Houston. Yeah, Houston's got the best games in the big schools for sure this week. Let's go to Humble. As uh, the district title is on the line in District 21? 20, at least 21-6A, yes. 21-6A. As the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs put their undefeated record on the line against the 4-1 and <laughs> Atascocita Eagles. So if you ever wanted to see it, it's like uh, here's Atascocita playing game number 6 of the season, and yep. here's North Shore playing game number 10. How about North Shore getting a full 10-game schedule? Now, knock on wood, I mean, we still have – Yes. <laughs> it's Tuesday. But if North Shore can get this game in, that's a full 10-game schedule in, in a major metro area. So In 10 weeks? Yeah, they've done a great job. So Shout-out to Coach K and those I – mean, I know I was at a North Shore game earlier this year, and you can you can, you can bet those kids and those coaches, they were – they were as careful and as they can be, and they were following everything, which is – would you expect anything less from John K to follow no. the rules to a T? No. No, that's a, that's a, that's a man. That's a man who enjoys rules. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it. That is a man who enjoys rules. Yes, he is. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about Atascacita. Um, they lose their opener at Allen. Um, kind of get kind of get 
not drilled, but they get beat soundly. They got, the yeah, they got run off the field pretty much in the first half. They second half was kind of garbage time and a little, little window dressing, but yeah, they, they weren't competitive. And then they then they had like two weeks off. They were they had COVID issues. They didn't play, yeah. for, which is why they, they've only played five games so far because they had missed a couple of games due to COVID. And so, in a lot of ways, a lot of what you a lot of what you you judge the there's only to me with all due respect to Umble and Kingwood and Summer Creek. There's only two games you can presently judge them on. One of them is getting getting beat pretty badly at Allen. Mm-hmm. The other is what was a come-from-behind win over C.E. King a couple of weeks ago. And credit to them, they they ended up you know surging. They, they were horrible in the first quarter. Absolutely terrible in the first quarter. Ended up surging back and winning this game. Um, but... This is a team that we still like. I think it's fair to say we still just don't know a ton about. Like, Atascasita's got, and I think part of that is that we just don't you know. Like, we just they, they haven't played, played enough games. Yeah, they haven't played enough games. I think I think last week's game and this week's game will tell us a lot more about um, Craig Stump's ball club. Yeah. Well, what has me concerned is, is how Atascasita struggled with CE King. And then what North Shore did to CE King last week. Correct. Yeah, if you're going by, if you believe in like the the transitive property, then North Shore's big win last week over CE King should give you some pause if you're in a task. Because the, you look at that final score, it was 47 21. That game was 47 to 6 at halftime, and North Shore yeah. sat everyone out the second half. It was a, it was it was a butt kick. A forty-seven burger in the first half. Now, Atas- how Demetrius Davis is playing, by the way. Right. So Atascasita's got some weapons, right? I like Gavin Sessions, their quarterback. Uh, I think they've got some weapons on the outside, including Landon King, who's a big-time tight end target. Uh, Chase Soul as well. They got some playmakers. My concern is going to be on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to slow down Demetrius Davis. Because here's the thing about De- De- Demetrius Davis. He's starting to do that thing again where every week he learns a new trick. Like every week he gets better and like then suddenly he makes it to the playoffs and he's this he's he's on god mode. Yeah. Um he's starting to cook. Yeah. And 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 that's a problem for a Tascasita who just like the biggest thing is 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 I'll just say you've got to you've got to make him make throws out of the pocket because if you let him sit in the pocket you're you're already dead. You've, he's you've, too good. You've, he's too. He's he is a wizard, you know, in the pocket. Right. He's he's unbelievable. And the North Shore. That's you know, last year in their playoff matchup. You know, Tascosita scored. If you, you know, they they were able to move the yeah. ball against North Shore, but they just they had no answers. North Shore scored a touchdown whenever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of feel like that's kind of going to be the same thing. And, you know, I could easily see a sixty-three to twenty-five, sixty-three to thirty-five kind of game. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is is if the offense gets cooking, then then Atascosita can hang with them. But if the if the North Shore defense is is, go, is doing this week what they did to CE King last week, then like it's like the way that Atascosita can win this game is getting into a shootout. I think because I'm just not sure they're going to be able to slow down North Shore right now. So it's an interesting game. The district title's on the line. North Shore's got to be your favorite in this one. But if you you know this is also our last chance to see North Shore in a in a game that I think they're going to be challenged. Uh, in for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, because they're uh, off next week, and then they'll, you know, I think in the first round, you can pretty much pencil North Shore. The, the, I don't think they're going to get pushed much in that first round, but I do think, you know, second round, possibly Pearland, Dawson, or Dickinson. That could be. Yeah, by the way, I, I looked that up on your playoff projections, and uh, if you want to sign me up right now for a second round matchup between North Shore and Pearland, Dawson, I, um, I, will, I will take that. 
That is good. And then, by the way, I mean, it doesn't get any easier from there. I mean, look, I, hey, spoiler alert, Region 3 is going to be a monster. Yeah. Um, but in Division 1. But anyway, that's this is your last chance, last good data point for, for North Shore before we get into the playoffs. So I think I'm, I'm interested in seeing how this shakes out. And, you know, look, obviously, if Atascocita can pull the upset, then you know things get things get dicier, you know, for so so who knows? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. What is your third and final pick, Matthew? I'm gonna go to the Metroplex and I'm going to go to District 36A as the Trinity Trojans take on the Halton Buffaloes Friday afternoon at the Birdville Fine Arts Complex. And if you haven't noticed, Halton owns a two-game winning streak over Trinity. They've beaten the Trojans Damn, is that in the last right? two years. Yeah, because you know, two years ago, Halton went thirteen and one and had that M- Michael Black and that fantastic season mm-hmm. where they went to the to the quarterfinals before the regional finals for yeah. Amarillo Tascosa. Um, and then last year, Halton upset Trinity again last year. So right. this is Jason Tucker's squad kind of has Trinity's number, and this game is is big because. Not only is it for the district title, but depending on who makes the playoffs, um, both of these teams could be Division One this year, and that could this could be also for playoff seeding. So there's a lot on the line in this ball game, aside from the district title. And you can only imagine how much Trinity wants to get that Haltom blemish off their record from the past two years, because I can guarantee the Haltom's not far from Trinity, and I guarantee you there's been some there's been some yapping uh, about mm-hmm. the winning streak that the Buffaloes currently have over the Trojans now. You know, Trinity had that loss earlier in the year to Prosper, which which aged fairly well. Prosper's had some struggles lately, but Prosper's a good ball club. But I think Trinity's gotten it together, and I think they've got the they've got when Trinity's really good, they have the bell cow running back. And Ollie Gordon has proved to be that that back this year. You know, his injury last year I think really derailed Trinity in, the, in their season as a whole last year. Uh, he's healthy. Um, he had 154 yards and three touchdowns. But you know, you look at the box score for Trinity, and they they used they had, they had 12 different ball carriers in their win over Weatherford last week. Um, that is Trinity football to a T. Mm-hmm. That is just what they do. And their defense is playing well. They're, they're big, they're physical. All those things that we, we've come to associate with Trinity, they've got that this year. Um, Haltom got off to a real slow start. They lost, a, they lost a, to Richland and Everman to start the year, and they've rattled off five straight wins. Now, granted, the district is not um, what you would consider a juggernaut district by any means. They, they, have, they still have to play Trinity and North Crowley next week. Uh, but still, for the Buffaloes to get five straight district wins is is, is is impressive, and last week was about as impressive as it gets because they're down thirty-one to seven in the fourth quarter to Boswell, and Jace Washington just takes the game over. Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, he, he, he did it. He did it rushing, receiving, and passing in the game. He played a little defense for Halton. I mean, this guy does everything for Coach Jason Tucker's squad, and he really put put Halton on his back last week and willed them to a, a come from behind win over Boswell. Uh, 35 to 31. Out, you know, they outscored the Pioneers 28 nothing in the fourth quarter to win that game. Um, but I just don't see it this year. I think Haltom Haltom has been living on the edge most most of the year, even in district play. And Trinity's got this one circled, and I think Trinity wants nothing more than to go ahead and just swat the pesky fly that is Haltom away once and for all. So this gives me an opportunity. Uh, one of my favorite, if, 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 if you remember old Deadspin before Deadspin got bad, um, but old Deadspin used to do a bit where it was called Let's Remember Some Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, can we just take a moment, and I do want to talk about this game more. Can we just remember how awesome Michael Black was for Haltom? 
Oh, he was he was great. He, <laughs> he was so good. In the final. It was so good. Um, anyway, there's that. You, you mentioned his name. I think this game is is super interesting because I think that this is this is a um, th- this is this is going to be simplistic, overly simplistic. But it's like you know how they measure. You know how people measure Texas as to whether or not Texas is back. Um, mm-hmm. This feels like a is Trinity back game um because look this has been you know the past couple of years let's make no mistake they have been disappointing for for trinity especially when they get to the playoffs they've been disappointing uh and there's no guarantee but there's no guarantee by the way that that they that there's not a repeat of that this year but it will go a long way towards putting quieting some of the the haters so to speak if they could beat if they could beat halta by the way to your point um about uh, to your point about what you know, what could be on the line, let's say hypothetically they both go to Division One. The winner of this game would get a first round matchup with Eaton, Hazlitt, Eaton, Northwest Eaton, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Again, probably they'll be favored, and he, Eaton's not a bad team, but probably be favored in that. The loser of this game gets South Lake Carroll. Big difference. That is a large difference. I would say that South Lake Carroll is better than Eaton. That's a take. But um, well, you're going out of boy. You are just firing off the hot takes today, Tepper. Listen, you got me, got me fired up. Been drink coffee. Uh, yeah, it's it's an. I'm I'm interested in this game. This game's at uh uh what's it called? Pennington, right? Oh, Birdville. Birdville Fine Arts Complex. Interesting. Okay, good game. You ever you ever covered a game at the Birdville Fine Arts Complex? I have. It's wonderful. It's a lovely place. Very nice place. Yes. All right, and finally, you've been there for realignment too. Oh yeah. Yes, that's right. We were there back in the before times. Yeah. Remember, remember what our biggest problem was that our computer wouldn't work at, uh, how, how I long for those days, Tepper, how, how I long for the, the, the biggest issue and the biggest stressor I had in my life being, Oh man, pickle couldn't get the soundboard to work. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I'm going to round things out with my third pick. We're going to another Friday matinee, 2 PM at Heroes Stadium in San Antonio as the San Antonio Johnson Jaguars take on the San Antonio Reagan Rattlers for the District 28 6A title. And this is the point when I ask you, Step, hey, is, Mar- is Mark Soto the 6A coach of the year? He's definitely in the running. He, he has done a, done a heck of a job. There. I mean, like I said, Johnson's not a team that's been bad, but he's taken yeah. Johnson and put taken them to another level this year. And, Let, well, and, heck of and, a job. Well, and... In, in very typical Mark Soto fashion, here's what he's done. Is he's taken their defense and he's made them twice as good statistically. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, they gave up about 26 points a game. This year, they're giving up around 13. Like, he's cut that in half. And it's been really impressive to watch. Their defense has been great. Parker Metz, their linebacker, kind of leading the way. And you're right. This isn't a program that needed a rebuild. They were six and five last year. They were a playoff team, but they it felt like they were just kind of bobbing along, you know? And and he kind of lit a fuse underneath them. And it has mm-hmm. been really impressive. Now they got a chance at a district title, but they're gonna have to go out and take on what I think is a really interesting young Reagan team. Um, Reagan's got a lot of youngsters at key positions. Um, their sophomore running back, Carson Green, has been great. From what I understand, now I don't know, I don't know if Lance Lorenz, who was their starting quarterback, is hurt, but I do know that at the very least they're running a two quarterback system. 
um, because they have brought in this this dual threat kid in Britton Moore, who has been mm-hmm. very solid. I believe he's a junior, and he's kind of given them a spark. And they needed it. Look, they've played some um, they've played some some squeaky bum time games here. They have. Um, they have. They have, they have, they have, they have, they have danced next to the fire, uh, but they've come out the other side, and their one loss in the year is a, is a close loss to Brenna, you know. But last week against Roosevelt, they kind of they rode the lightning a little bit. They do have they, a week one win over Sibley, relatively nicely. Second half, there were, there were some struggles. Um, but here, they're now into the real, the real meat of their schedule because back to back weeks, Johnson and Brandeis, like we'll know. For real, what Reagan's about these next two weeks. If they if they beat Johnson and Brandeis, there ain't no doubt who deserves to be the district champion, right? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. My my question is going to be, especially on the Johnson side. For Johnson, obviously their defense leads the way. Their offense, for the most part, has been pretty good. For the most part, but has not always been consistently, especially going up against good defenses, has not always been consistent. Can they come out and, and throw that first punch? If they come out and throw that first punch, they're going to win the district championship. All due respect, they, they do have Clark next week. They will be heavy favorites against Clark. Yeah. But um, but this is this would be a huge win for them. This would be a huge win for them. Lock up the district title. Uh, we do project them to go to the Division Two bracket. Um, and and there they can make some hay because what we're talking about, you know, we'll we'll get to your hipster game in a moment. But like region region four of six A Division Two might be about to open up. Yeah, it might. <laughs> and and so if that if that does happen, then is there a you know if you know if 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 Johnson can go in there at riding a high undefeated, then why not the Jaguars? Um, it gets really interesting there. Uh, so I'm 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 interested in seeing how this game shakes out. I think obviously what I want to see is whether or not uh, the Reagan offense can move the ball on Johnson because their defense has been so good. I lean towards Johnson in this one. I'm riding the hot hand. I'm a believer. Um, and and it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, how Johnson handles what is basically a true district championship opportunity. I agree. I think this right. is this is something that this is kind of new for them. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Reagan's been in the mix in the district title for several years now. Uh, this is, like you said, new for Johnson. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle this "quote unquote" big game pressure. So there you go. That's our draft. Step took right, Wichita Falls Ryder and Lubbock Cooper. He took Fort Bend Hightower and Katie Pato, and he took Euless Trandy and Holtum. I took Bridgeland, Cy Fair, Galena Park, North Shore, Tascosita, and San Antonio Johnson, San Antonio Reagan. And now, Step. Because everybody forgot, everybody missed the first five minutes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me what your hipster game of the week is? I'm going to go to District 26-6A, <laughs> and I'm going to call it the Westlake to D2 Bowl. We had, yep. we, had, we, had, we had hashtag Region 4 after dark last week. Last week, this week is hashtag Westlake to Division 2, question mark, uh, as Austin Bowie and Buda Hayes battle. And this game is significant because a Buda Hayes win – Will, all, will eliminate Austin Bowie from the playoff race and officially knock Westlake into the Division II bracket. A Austin Bowie win would mean basically a three-way tie between Bowie, Hayes, and Austin High for the um, last two playoff spots. And depending on district tiebreaker rules, if Austin Bowie gets in, if Austin Bowie gets one of those last two spots, then Westlake stays in Division II and would be the clear favorite in Region 4. So what you're watching for here is Hayes, a win, moves Westlake into the Division 1 bracket where they would probably be the, the favorite. And who knows, maybe we'd, we'd get to see 
you know, since Westlake and Lake Travis aren't playing this year because of COVID, maybe if Westlake goes to Division One, yeah. we see a Westlake Lake Travis regional final. Well, he, here's the other thing, and 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 I've crunched the numbers with uh, Jay Plotkin because from what I understand now, from what I understand, Westlake to D two or a Westlake to D one would require both a Hayes win over uh, Bowie and an Austin High win over Del, Val- Del Valley because if they both if if Bowie loses to Hayes, but Austin High loses to Del Valley. Hayes goes in. It's a three-way tie between Del Valley, Austin High, and Bowie. Mm -hmm. And Bowie is... At that point, Austin High could not get in. And if either Del Valley or Bowie get in... Um, then, then Westlake goes pushes D2. Westlake D two, yeah. So, so, and the I, Austin High is probably a favorite over Del, over yeah. Del Valley, but not by much. I mean, those, yeah. the, you know, Austin High, Del Valley, Bowie, Hayes, and even San Marcos are yeah. all those games have all between those teams have all been fairly. I think Hayes is probably a step ahead of those guys, hey, but you take Bowie and Austin High and San Marcos and Del Valley, and they're all pretty closely matched. I think you're right. And so, yeah, the chalk the chalk is Hayes wins, Austin High wins, Westlake goes to D1. Anything other than chalk, though, would send Westlake to D2, where they would be, I mean, let's see where Katie goes, but I would say no worse than the co-favorite to win uh, the Division II title. Um, so a lot of intrigue there. Yeah, Del right. Valley is a, over Austin High is a, actually Del Valley's favorite in that game by three. Are they really? Three-point favorite, yeah. No, 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 no. I've got it here. I've got Austin right. High as a three-point favorite. I'm sorry. I, I misread it. Yeah. It's Austin, Austin, Austin High as a three-point favorite. But, but I mean, regardless, regardless it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pick-up. You know what I mean? It's a pick-up. It's a point flip game. I am going to go to District 6, 6A. Let's go to the Metroplex. District 6, 6A. Yeah, the big game is everybody's going to be talking about the Battle of the Axe, Louisville and Marcus. Yeah, okay. I'm going to the other super important game in District 6-6A. That is the Plano West Wolves and the Hebron Hawks 2 o'clock Friday at uh, Clark Stadium in beautiful Plano, Texas. Um, and this district's a mess, dude. Because it, it can't... Yeah, Hebron's had a couple of games canceled. Uh, yeah, and then Plano's had a couple of game canc- games canceled. So there's been yeah. some... Yeah. There's a lot to figure out here, but this will go a long way towards deciding who gets in. Now, Plano West has had a really nice year this year, and we probably haven't talked about it enough. But they have done a really, really good job turning the corner, uh, and and I think that they, they they've won. What I think is impressive about them is if you look at what the Wolves have done, they've won a lot of games on the margins, right? They beat Plano East by eight. They beat Louisville by ten, which is a great win, by the way. Um, they they beat Flower Mound by ten, right? They've won a lot of games on the margins. Can they find a way to get past Hebron, who's had just the the, the weirdest year of all time? Um, Hebron goes. They play week one, off week two. Play week three, off week four. Play three games in a row, and then have two weeks off. One a scheduled buy, and one of them a no contest because against Marcus. So this will go a long way towards towards either making District Six Six A super easy to understand because Capel um, Capel's in that mix. I think theoretically Plano could get into that mix, but I don't necessarily see that happening. Um, that this is going to have you know the Capel. Still has who does Capel play? I think Capel has a little bit of a easier 
I think that's right. I think they're past the top. The top. They got Shino East and Flower Mound. Yeah, so you know they got to beat Flower Mound, but like this is probably straight up for either third a playoff spot, and the loser is likely they're gonna be they're gonna need they're gonna need some things to break their way. Yeah, to because get this in. district the, the way they're using the way they're ranking the teams is by total number of wins. Mm. So Hebron really because they've had they've lost a couple of district. Yeah, Hebron's only two and one in district play yeah. because they've lost a couple of district games due to COVID. They've almost have to win out. I, I think you're gonna have to get to four. District yeah. wins to really give guarantee yourself a playoff spot. Yeah, so especially Hebron's in playoff mode now, really. Yeah, especially considering play, uh, Coppell is probably going to beat Plano East and probably going to beat Flower Mountain, or at least they'll be favored to. That would get them to four wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know who does Plano West finish with? Plano West Plano. finishes against Plano. They should win that game. So yeah, you got to give yourself as many tiebreaker opportunities as possible. So for Hebron, this is more or less must win yes. uh, there at Clarkson. Yeah, I think a loss. I think a loss for Hebron. I, I don't see any path towards them getting into the playoffs with just three victories. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there you go. There's our hipster game of the week. Um, Let's see. I can pull up the Fox games. Let me do that. That's a thing. Yeah, I did my real. schedule on the small school, so we'll do the Fox schedule on the big school. Yeah, let's see. What are we doing? Okay. So the games we're going to, uh, Katie Engelson will be at Cypher and Bridgeland. Okay. Great game. Uh, Great game. Paige Schnorbox going out to uh, Lubbock for Lubbock Cooper and Wichita Falls Ryder. Uh, two o'clock kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she does. She can get home early. Uh, Whitley Pleasant's going to be at DeSoto and Duncanville, a game we didn't talk about, but it's obviously a very big game, but also nothing nothing on the line. Like, mm-hmm. it's, a weird, it's a weird game. Now, here's an interesting fact. DeSoto's the last Texas team to beat Duncanville in the regular season. So how about that? There you go. Uh, um, let's see. Edward Egros is going to be at Argyle and La Vega. So that'll be fun. Ashley Pickle is going to the Alamo Dome for Corpus Christi Miller and Bernie. Austin, she, petitioned, she petitioned hard for that game. I know she did. She did. Uh, Austin Ivan will be at Grandview and Malakoff, which is fun. Lauren Blackwell will be at Eastland and Holiday. Um, Austin Ivan is then going to go to um, Rogers and Buffalo. She's pulling oh. double dip. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, is, is it Austin's first game as Grandview and Malakoff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, just, it's at the same stadium, so. And Paige Schnorbach. Buffalo Rogers, too. And Paige Schnorbach, by the way, is doing the double dip as well because she will get Panhandle Post in the late, in the, in the late game. Nice. So we will be at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. My goodness, Fox Sports Southwest. Man. And it's I almost will be, 2019. Uh, dude, and I will be stuck at home. And so we, uh, one of the Fox engineers, Adam, came by to install like a new camera and stuff like that. Dude, my – I am so afraid to let Hank in this room. Like <laughs> so there's extensive equipment in the room. Dude, like uh, like you know the, the stuff we do for TFT for, this makes the stuff we do do TFT with look like um, – look like, look like play – like you know, Play-Doh. It is ridiculous. How like right. high tech my office is right now. So, so you're, doing, I'm gonna, you're gonna be on the show live. You're not you're not getting cut in this time. You'll, you'll be on the whole time on Friday. I think so. I think so. Okay. I don't know. I'm not the producer. They don't tell me what to do. Okay. So, is so uh, do is Sarah hosting again this week? From what I understand, yes. I think they're gonna run it back. Uh, Sarah Merrifield uh, will be hosting, and she did do a great job. And Rick Renner will be on the desk as kind of a analyst co-host type role. Um, okay. And then we'll have CT Steckel and Coach Ken Purcell and myself via 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 thing. And by the way, I don't know if you saw, but Craig joined the show late in I think in the third hour last week. Awesome. So, um, so you can get a snoot full of Craigway as well. well we okay. all need a snoot full of Craigway. 
That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Uh, please tell your friends to uh, become insiders and listen to this podcast. And Steph, thanks for your courage. Thank you. We'll see you next week on Tep and Steph. <laughs>